Hey Ethos, it's so good, like I said, just to be with you today. And man, I miss, I miss being able to look up and see your faces. And uh, man, I wish you were with us. And uh, I'm so glad that we can gather. I'm so glad that we can, that we have the ability to do this uh, virtually, no matter where you are. Just know that we are knit together by the Spirit of God in the unity of Christ. So, you know, it's such an interesting time that we find ourselves in. I don't know what your week looked like. Um, I'm, I'm assuming there are some similarities between all of our weeks. All of us probably at one point or another found ourselves canceling big events. All of us probably found ourselves uh, in grocery stores that were overcrowded or had slim pickings for the things that we wanted to buy. All of us have found ourselves in unique situations uh, throughout this week. You know, I was talking with our church planner in Seattle, Washington, and they're right at the epicenter of this whole coronavirus outbreak. You know, words like pandemic are coming out and, and the president calling a national emergency. And there's all these things that are unfolding. I was talking to our church planner in Seattle and, you know, I was just telling him we were praying for them because they're right at the middle of the coronavirus outbreak. And he says, man, we're praying for you guys. He said, he says, you guys have, haven't even recovered from a tornado that has left people just devastated. And now you're having to deal with all of this. And, you know, the reality is for us as followers of Jesus in Nashville, Tennessee, it is such an interesting and challenging time. There's all these things that are kind of coming at us. And I, I've found that people are responding one way or the other. I've kind of been the same way. There are times where I respond kind of cynically or a little bit like, what in the world? We're canceling schools. What is this really that big of a deal? And then there's other times where I myself can get caught up in some of the, the what ifs and the anxiety. And, and we're kind of just back and forth between these two realities. And the question that we have to answer today is what do we do as the people of God in a time like this? What do we do as followers of Jesus in a time like this? And, you know, I, I think about, as I've wrestled with this, I keep thinking of the story that we find in Matthew chapter 14. You know, Matthew chapter 14, there's this story that is one of the most widely known stories about Jesus. Whether you have grown up in church or never been in church a day in your life, you've probably heard this story of Jesus walking on the water. You know, it's interesting that it's one of the most commonly known stories because it feels like it's actually one of the least relatable stories in the life of Jesus. You know, I mean, how many of us, we hear that Jesus walks on water and it's kind of like, what does that have to do with my life right now? But when you read the story, when you see it through the lens of the followers of Jesus, the friends of Jesus that were sitting in the boat, you begin to understand how it relates to us. See, the story goes something like this. Jesus had sent his friends in a boat across the Sea of Galilee while he spent some time praying on a hill. And in the middle of the night, he looks out on the lake and he sees them. The storm is starting to whip up and they're straining at the oars. And so Jesus literally walks out on the water towards the boat. And when his friends see him, they're, they're terrified. They assume he's a ghost. And he kind of tells them, he's like, hey guys, no, it's just me. Like, calm down, everything's all right. And I love this moment. The apostle Peter looks out at him and he says, Lord, if it's really you, then invite me to come out there with you. And this really interesting thing happened. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, come. And in this moment, you have what Jesus is inviting Peter into. Listen, he's basically saying, hey, hey, Peter, I want you to come defy all logic and walk towards me on what seems like the shakiest ground you could ever imagine. Get out of the boat and come to me. And I love, it's just this classic moment in Peter's life. He gets out of the boat 
and he starts walking on the water towards Jesus. But then, inevitably, he becomes aware of the wind on his face, and he sees the waves splashing around him, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he begins to sink, and he cries out, Save me, Lord! And Jesus sticks out his hand. He faithfully grabs him by the hand, pulls him out of the water, and they climb in to the boat together. You know, this story would have been passed down by Peter and the eleven in the boat that saw it. They would have told everybody, Man, you won't believe what Jesus did and what happened with Peter. And it was passed down in the early church. And I sometimes wonder if this story in the image of, G- of Peter walking on the water towards Jesus wasn't in the mind of the author of Hebrews. You know, we don't know who actually wrote the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Some people say it was the Apostle Paul. Some say uh, it was an anonymous author. But there's this interesting moment in Hebrews chapter 12. And, and I have to think the author was imagining this moment on the Sea of Galilee when he wrote the words, He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, we ask the question, man, what is our response as followers of Jesus in a time like this? And I think it's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. I love this passage because he doesn't just say, hey, just fix your eyes on Jesus. No, he starts with, hey, throw off everything everything that hinders. Growing up, I heard that verse and all I ever heard that relating to was sin. You know, he says, he says, throw off the sin that entangles, but he says, throw off everything that hinders. What hindered Peter from walking to Jesus? It was fear. It was uncertainty. It was worry. As the waves and the winds began to rise up around him, those things hindered him from being able to move towards him. You know, right now there are many things that could hinder us from keeping our faith and our eyes fixed on Jesus. And the author of Hebrews says, man, throw off everything that hinders. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, for those of you who are watching this and you are followers of Jesus, you're believers in Jesus, the invitation here is, hey, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author of your faith. He created your faith. And he is actively perfecting your faith, even through all the chaos that's going on around us. He is in the work of perfecting the faith that he's given you. If you're watching this today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're not sure what to believe, I I just want to tell you there is a reason that Jesus Christ is called the Prince of Peace. It's what he gives. It's what he gives. And during this time and this season of life with all that's going on, if you find yourself in need of peace, he is the one to give it. And so how do we respond as the people of God, as followers of Jesus? I think in this time, the call for us is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, what does that even mean? How do we do that? You know, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, that phrase may stir up peace and hope, just the idea of fixing your eyes on Jesus. But if you're brand new to following Jesus, or maybe you're not yet a believer, what does that actually mean to fix your eyes on Jesus? I think it's really three simple things in a time like this. First, to fix our eyes on Jesus means this. It means we commit to being a people who are dedicated to prayer. We commit to being people of prayer. I mean, this is what we've been talking about as a church family this whole year, right? And we started off our year in January and in February talking about being a people who are committed to praying for one another, for our church, for our city, for our nation, for the nations. We believe that prayer makes a difference. And so fixing our eyes on Jesus means that we are a people who commit to prayer. I love what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Listen to this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious. Sounds like a silly command in a time like this, right? 
But he looks at us. He says, guys, remember who your eyes are fixed on. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and by petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And listen to this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, I think sometimes being a people committed to prayer simply means that we will choose to fix our eyes on the promises of Jesus. And we can do this through prayer. Now, if you don't know how to fix your eyes on Jesus in prayer, one simple thing to do is to simply think about the promises of Jesus and what he has for you. So, for example, you could take that verse I just read. And anytime you find yourself feeling stirred up with anxiety or worry or fear, you pray that. You say, Lord, I bring all of it to you. I thank you for who you are. Will you give me the peace that goes beyond understanding? Or maybe you think about the promise that Jesus gives us in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, listen, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Anytime it feels like all that's happening in the world is about to overcome you, fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus, would you help me to believe? Would you perfect my faith in the reality that you have overcome death itself? You have overcome every hardship. Or I think about the promise of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. He says, hey, are any of you weary? Are any of you tired? Come to me and I will give you rest. Meditate upon these promises. This is how we pray. We say, Lord, I'm tired. Will you give me rest? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We are people committed to prayer, and sometimes prayer is reflecting on and meditating upon the promises of Jesus. I'll give you one more promise to think about. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul writes, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-control. As in, in a time like this, we fix our eyes on Jesus by being a people of prayer. We pray through the promises of Jesus to give us all that we need to push through the things that are happening around us. We pray for our friends and our neighbors who are affected by the tornado. We pray for, for those who have been affected by a virus. We pray for the medical professionals who are trying to find a way and a cure for this virus. We become a people who are committed to prayer, and by doing so, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We also, I think, fix our eyes on Jesus. The second way we do this is by being quick to listen, and slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. This is what uh, James writes in James 1.19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Guys, in a time like this, when, this when, when the society around us is filled with panic and fear, we need more people, who, followers of Jesus, who will, who will think before they type something on a social media platform and hit enter. We need people who will think about what's about to come out of their mouth when they're talking to somebody. You know, there are some of you watching this, and your natural response to this whole thing has been cynicism and frustration and anger, and I get it. But before you post a rant on Twitter or Facebook about how silly canceling things is or how hard it's like, remember, there are people feeling fear, and as much as their fear may feel unfounded to you, it is still a real feeling for them. So how instead can we be quick to listen? slow to speak. And if you find yourself racked with fear and anxiety, think about the way the words that you're using as a follower of Jesus. Just ask yourself before you say them to others, just say, hey, if I say these words, is it going to promote peace in this person's heart? Or is it going to stir up anxiety in this person's heart? Is it going to promote peace in my own heart? Or will it stir up anxiety in my heart? 
Guys, we need to be a people who are quick to listen, slow to speak, a people that are committed to prayer. And finally, the last thing, we need to be a people who consider others before ourselves. I love Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes this. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, we don't know what lies ahead for us in all of this. I know that I went to the grocery store on Friday and I needed to buy a bag of dried black beans and there weren't any left on the shelf. You know, you may find yourself in a situation where you're going to buy something at a store and there's only one of them left and somebody else wants it at the same time, a bag of pasta and there's only one left and someone else wants it. Let's be people, just let them have it. I don't mean like let them have it. I mean like let them have the bag of black beans. It's like the bag of pasta. It's okay. Let's be people who consider the needs of others over ourselves. You know, maybe you're somebody that you went out and you bought a lot of stuff and you're prepared. But you might discover you have a neighbor who doesn't have something they need. Let's be people who consider the needs of others over ourselves. Let's remember that there are very real neighbors in our city right now that are still reeling from the devastation of a tornado that has stripped them of their home, of their loved ones, of their possessions. As we fix our eyes on Jesus and we commit to be people of prayer and we commit to be slow to speak and quick to listen and we commit to consider others before ourselves, I believe our city will see a picture of the character of Jesus formed within us. You know, it's actually quite ironic that uh, we're talking about all of this today. Actually, today we were supposed to start a new series a sermon series at Ethos where we're going to be exploring the fruit of the Spirit as seen in Galatians chapter 5. And, you know, the whole purpose of this passage in Galatians 5 for Paul is he's saying, hey, listen, you are supposed to display the character of Jesus to the world around you, that the Holy Spirit longs to produce in you the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control This is the character of Jesus meant to flow through us. And as we fix our eyes on him, this is what he longs to develop in us. And isn't this what our city and the people around us are longing for? They long for love. They long for peace. And yet it feels so hard to come by. And yet we know the one who gives it. And so we're going to kind of wrap up our time together right now the way we do every single Sunday. You know, for thousands of years, followers of Jesus have been gathering on Sundays both in public places and in private places, in homes and in parks, outside and inside. They've been gathering, and when they gather, they come around the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus in in communion, in the Lord's Supper. And as we finish our time today, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and I want to invite you to just read over the fruit of the Spirit as you find it there. Read over love and joy, peace and patience, kindness goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, and see what stands out to you there. What is the thing that you feel like you're lacking? Because as you come to the bread and as you come to the cup, as you come to the body and the blood of Jesus, you come to Christ himself, and he is the giver of those things. And so as you commune with whoever you're with, just share with them, hey, here's the thing, the fruit that I need from the Spirit of God to develop within me. I'm going to pray for us. And you take as much time as you need. You can pause the video to take communion, to pray together, and to ask the Lord to give you all you need as you fix your eyes on him. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you. We praise you that you don't leave us abandoned. Lord, in times of need, in times of despair, in times of fear, in times of anger and frustration and chaos, you are ever-present. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us the Holy Spirit to produce in us, through no effort of our own, the fruit of the Spirit. As we fix our eyes on you even today, Lord, would you develop that fruit within us as we partake of the bread and the cup, remind us that we are knit together with people all over our city, all around the world, in the hope of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We give you praise and give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.